Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio with your host, Sumati Sparks the Open Relationship Coach, SumatiSparks.com. Today, I'm really excited to be talking to a friend of mine who I call the Globetrotting Polyamorous Artist. How's that for a title? (laughs) She's originally from New York City. She's been creative and open to new adventures her whole life. Professionally, she's a graphic designer. And a little over 20 years ago, she moved from New York City to the Bay Area and has discovered a whole host of adventures, including Burning Man, the Human Awareness Institute, which is where I met her. And she volunteers at Esalen and Big Sur and travels the world. She seems to always be going somewhere exotic and beautiful. And she also really loves living in community. She currently lives, when she's not traveling, on an urban farm in Oakland. Who would have thought? We'll have to hear more about that. Anyway, I'm really happy to speak with you today, Rebecca. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be on your show. I've been looking forward to this all week long. Great. So, being the globetrotter, where are you today? <laughs> well, at this very moment, I'm, I'm very, I'm very pleased with life at this very moment. I'm here in Carmel um, with a lover, and we're just enjoying the beautiful scenery. And um, uh, this evening, we're having some friends over for a hot tub. Oh, wonderful. Hot tub in Carmel. That sounds very, like a very Northern California kind of adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Have you done any other fun travel recently? Uh, let's see. Um, well, actually, annually I go, I work, and I um, participate with a closing optional cruise line. And so every year I travel with about 2,000 nudists. In oh, February, really? in the Caribbean, yes. Wow. It's it's quite the adventure. It's amazing. I love it. And are the nudists also polyamorous people? Well, yeah. I, I mean, not, nudists by themselves are not necessarily polyamorous. It's um, a percentage are. I would say somewhere between 10 and 20% are, in fact, poly or swingers or just in the non-monogamous category. There's a whole range of expression within the non-monogamy. There's a whole diversity. But I would say Mm -hmm. about somewhere between 10 and 20% of the population of nudists fall into that category. Mm Mm-hmm. Great. You know, when I when I think about travel, I, I think it's kind of historic that a lot of times when single women travel, they kind of consider themselves polyamorous, um, at least for while they're on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about travel that gives you that freedom and that sense of maybe trying on new identities and 
Um, have you ever had that feeling where you feel like you're a little different when you're traveling than when you're at home? Well, I think that everybody feels that way. It's a universal sensation, like who you are at home is supposed to be who you are. But then when you go somewhere where nobody or at least very few people know who you are, you have an opportunity to reinvent yourself. And it's this great opportunity to decide for yourself if you want to try on a different identity and or, you know, be freer. You know, we grew, I grew up in a rather really conservative, very uh, religious environment. And so for me, travel was this opportunity, has always been this opportunity to reinvent myself, to discover new lands, to discover if I, if I want to try on a different way of being. And so that's uh, very much um, in, my, in my makeup. Um, I think I started traveling internationally in my uh, mid to late 20s. And well, actually, I did I did travel a little bit overseas when I was eighteen, but that was a different kind of that wasn't quite as adventurous. So, um, but yes, I, I did. In fact, by the time I was in my mid to late twenties, I think I uh, I started to try out uh, different personas, different ways of looking at life. Mhm. Did you have any adventures in those early years? Well, there's always an adventure to be had, um, but uh, I think one that sticks in my mind as a formative event was uh, in my late 20s, I think I might have been about 27, 28 at the time, I went to Italy for the first time. I went overseas to Europe, and what happened was is that um, I was delighted to be there. And I was just so overjoyed that I, I walked down the street. I was smiling at everybody I met. And so what happened is uh, I ended up meeting a man who uh, who invited me to coffee. And uh, after that said that, um, would you, you know, like to see the Colosseum? It's this beautiful, you know, famous piece of Roman architecture. And I was like, Sure. And this is about late afternoon, early evening, and we. Um, is this okay to share the whole story, or I don't know what yes, else to have an This is an art. This is an It's a good story. story. <laughs> we okay. want to hear it. <laughs> it is a good story. Okay, okay. Well, what happened next is um, we went to the Colosseum, and to my surprise, everybody at the Colosseum was making out. I mean, it was oh. the place where everyone went to neck, I guess, in Rome. It's like, you know, here in, in the United States, people go to the top of a hill and sit in a parked car. Mm-hmm. But in mm-hmm. in Rome, they go to the Colosseum and sit on the stone wow. benches. It was pretty funny. So, um, so we ha- hung out there for a while, and then he had places to go, and so we separated, and he gave me, I think, his contact information. And a few minutes later, I'm walking down the street, and I find I still, and now I'm even more happy than I was before, and I'm smiling. And <laughs> a young man smiles back at me, and I smile, and he's like, oh, hello. Oh, you're the first time in Rome. Oh, and he's talking to me, and he says, would you like to have a pizza? I said, well, yes, I think I would. I'm, I'm hungry now. So we go to have a pizza. And then after the pizza, he says to me, you know, have you been to the Colosseum? It's really great. Would you like to go to the Colosseum? <laughs> At which point I said, no, I think I've been there already once today. 
<laughs> I said, I know where you're going with this. I've definitely, I've definitely um, been to the Coliseum. I know what that means. And so um, instead we hung out and made out in a park somewhere. I was like, I don't need to go back to the Coliseum twice in a day. But <laughs> it was pretty funny. That's their, that's their line in Rome, just as you ever get there. That's the thing that they do. So I kind of discovered that at that point I was able to, you know, explore at least kissing two men on the same day. And so it began, I think it opened up the possibility yeah. for what was next. And so how yeah. did you come to realize that you were actually polyamorous? Well, that's a long, windy journey. Um, about About 20 years ago, I first discovered different types of um, personal growth workshops, some at Harbin, uh, some at Esalen, various various workshops that um, opened up at least my awareness that love and sex and intimacy uh, had its own language and it wasn't necessarily that it had to be what I thought it was when I was a child. And so there was mm-hmm. this... So it's an uncovering, really, than like a a big, I don't know that a, a big light bulb ever went off in my head, you know, that said, ah, this is what you are. It was more like, this looks cool, let's try that. And then I eventually, then about a year after I arrived in California, I went to Burning Man for the first time. And I discovered that there was lots of great adventures to be had at Burning Man. And and some involved being with, you know, more than one person during the course of the week. And mm-hmm. so there was this creativity that was, I think that, I think that it affords this idea of, of my own personal version of agape, which is universal love. And it's a, mm-hmm. a way of feeling love in an expansive way. And mm-hmm. and also you know intimacy too. It's uh, but it's it's more about just not being confined by a particular standard and deciding for myself what it is that I want. And it has been challenging because of that because I was throwing away the old playbook and trying on a new one. And I would say that there's it's been an evolution as opposed to a particular specific point in time. That's, that's where right, I, I can imagine. More accurately. Yeah, it sounds like it's been a while, but almost 20 years, you say. So maybe you can tell mm-hmm. us, what are, what are a few things that you've learned about yourself from being poly that you might not have learned if you were monogamous? Oh, wow. That's a really, that's a big question. Um I would have to say, I know this is a very good question. I um, I think that in a monogamous relationship, I would not have been challenged to look at my own jealousies or insecurities as much. Like when you when you develop a monogamous relationship, which I did have for a lot of my life, um, and they last for a certain length of time, I um, I think. In some ways, they're really simple. There's just you and them, and that's it. And there's no other variations. I mean, you know, 
as time has gone on, there's, I, I've come to accept that, you know, poly or non-monogamy, which is really what I like to call it, is, has, its, has a myriad of different expressions. But at the time that I was being monogamous, I was also being more religious. And so I, uh, I would say that I was much more rule-based, you know, like I followed the rules. Um, mm-hmm. Being religious, being being a practicing, you know, very orthodox Jew, I practiced a lot of rules. I followed a lot, a lot of rules. And so, when I started to discover that I didn't have to consider those things, I think that my creativity as an artist expanded, and that I mm-hmm. was able to consider many more options. And I think that um, becoming more non monogamous or poly opened my eyes up to many more options. And I think that mm-hmm. it, it created a, an opportunity for a more creative life. And not to mention the fact that I like kissing a whole lot. It's like a big thing for me. And if you know me, you know I like to kiss. And if I only kissed one person my whole life, I really think I'd be missing out a lot. Mm-hmm. So since I really do like to kiss a lot, it's helpful. I could say I kiss a lot of frogs, but at this point, um, I kiss a lot of princes and princesses sometimes. <laughs> so it's just, and I, it's not necessarily about like being more sexual all the time. It's just that in strict monogamy, even kissing wouldn't be okay per se. Right, I mean, right. It just wouldn't. I thought, I thought and I of, think that that would of, be sad. I thought of a good name for your first memoir about your travels. And what would that be? Kissing, kissing in the Coliseum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that could be one. That could, that, that's a possibility. That could work. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Well, thank you for your transparency, Rebecca. I really appreciate the honesty that you've been sharing with us today. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what some of your past relationships have been like, your polyamorous relationships? Or open relationships, mm. whatever you want. Well, I think they've run the gamut. I've had a couple of train wrecks, I would say, and um, <laughs> some really sweet relationships that have either transformed or morphed into other things over time. Um, let's see if I can give you particulars about. I'll start with the train wreck. Um, I'm thinking of one specific. And, and what one, did and you I learn think, from it? Is always like what what came out of it that yeah. helped you grow? What were the lessons? Well, one thing is, um, I think for me, uh, the most important thing is uh, transparency, um, having a personal integrity, being with, um, and this would this would really be the same if you were monogamous or poly. Really, it's I. I um I find that um people who really are honest with themselves and also honest with you that will help create and influence a positive relationship. But when there's uh misinformation or and even actually one one particular situation where there was outright, outright lies um I hope that, like with beaten Polly, we don't need lies, but I think some people still do, and so therefore, um, 
that's the most important thing I would say I've learned is to always go in willing to communicate and willing to tell the truth and expect the truth from others. Mm-hmm. That's like the found, I think that's the foundation. Right, right, of course. And what about some of your more successful relationships? How, What were they like? Well, I would say that's like the flip side of that. I'm thinking of one some years ago. I want to say it was like 14 years ago. And I'm still friends with the guy, though um, we don't talk that often. We had a relationship where I was like, he had a primary partner and I was the secondary. And even though we had some upsets at different times, me and he and also the other um, primary, we'd have three-way phone conversations from time to time and um, even have lunch together. And so we built it into the relationship to have, like, check-in, to have time to connect, to to create to create a, um, a platform. If there was something that came up, we talked about it. And, um, yeah, it was, nice. it was a good thing. And I think at the time there came a point when our relationship couldn't grow any further because of the, the container and what was available. And I remember we we got together one evening and we said, yeah, we we need to we need to separate. And it's not from it's not from a bad place. It's just that I think we've reached the end of the line right now. And it was very loving and very sweet and and great. And I and I I still am very fond of that that person today. So that was a very good Beautiful. that was a very good way of doing it. Yeah, it was really lovely. It it showed me that. The dream was possible. So. Right. And I like how you talked about how you had this built-in communication where you just knew you were going to see each other regularly and talk regularly um, rather than having to call a meeting when, when someone was triggered or something was up. I love that idea of, of having something already set, some appointments already set where um, people are in the habit of airing their difficulties. Oh, I love that part of what you said. And it makes me think mm. about, you know, I happen to know that both of us live in an area of the world where there are a lot of open relationship communities. And I think having community is also really helpful for practicing non-traditional forms of relationship so that you have other people to talk to about it and you're not isolated and lone wolfing it. You know, you could go to other people who are doing these alternative kind of relationships. Um, you said that you mm-hmm. live in a community. Are there any um, polyamorous people in uh, where you live? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, my housemates are also polyamorous. Um, all of them? It's a different time. Uh, yeah, all of them. Uh, well, oh, was wow. at some point, but she's not at the moment. But primarily everybody in the household has some um, experience of, of poly. And actually two of them are sort of, well, yeah. One of them is definitely not poly right now because of limited time and energy. And one of them is dabbling with somebody who's a monogamous and at some point might consider uh, changing that. But uh, for the moment, uh, they're practicing monogamy. But 
Because I live with six people total. So the three others are actually very much non-monogamous and practice poly. And as I said, everybody has their own iteration of it. It's slightly different for everybody. And is that helpful to be living with people who are all practicing non-monogamy? Well, yeah, because, like, for instance, like, if we are in the kitchen and somebody wants to talk about sexuality or intimacy, it's no big deal. Um, it's it's kind of funny in a way. Like, one of the guys is always, like, he's so bold and, like, he'll just start talking about stuff, like, while you're eating and then be like, I wasn't prepared for that conversation. I'm eating dinner. But, you know, okay, I guess we're going to do that. But it's 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 a blessing. It's it means that like really there's a lot of openness, there's a lot of um there can be a lot of support. Like sometimes if I have something that's troubling me I can go to a roommate and and they can offer support and they know what I'm talking about, more or less. And and mm-hmm. that's a real blessing. That's a beautiful thing. I love it, really. So. Mhm. And in all your world travels, have you visited any other communities that um, that are more sex positive or that practice alternative forms of relationship. Well, in in the course of my in the course of my travels, I have come across some communities at different times. Um, I know that there's a like a poly community in Spain that I I went to a, a bar meetup one time where it was um, you know part of that group. I also have connected with um, people in London who are um, polysensual. Like they they were, you know, they'd get together and like everybody would trade massage and affection and have what they call cuddle piles, you know. So there's, there's some of that. So in some pockets of the world, I've come across poly communities. That's Polysensual, that's, um, that's a good term. We'll bookmark that, polysensual. That's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they, their agreement with their partners is that they can touch and be affectionate, but, but no sex? Is that what polysensual means? That, I think that that's, that's a good description. I'm not sure that that's the precise definition in the dictionary, but yes, mm-hmm. that, that is kind of the basic picture. Yeah. hmm is that word in the dictionary? <laughs> um, I think so, but you know what? I will look it up after we get off the phone. I'm pretty sure it is, actually, oh. because it's been around for a while. Well, polyamorous people do tend to make up their own terms because we are making things up as we go. <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. So that's a good one. Um, but you haven't been to, like, uh, Tamara or um, or Zeg or any of those communities? I have heard of them, um, but I have not been to them. One of these days, I'm going to put them on my bucket list. Definitely going to put them and on what, my bucket list. What about Dom and her? That's not a, an uh, open relationship community? No, very much. Although they have a really interesting model for relationship, and but it's not necessarily an open relationship community. It's more of like an esoteric spiritual community. But oh, okay. And that's in Italy. That when they, that's in Italy. That's in northern Italy, very okay. close to Turin. But what they do do that could be considered poly, and it's but more like serial monogamy, really. 
what they do is when a couple gets together and they want to have a partnership for a period of time, they agree. They say, we're going to be together for six months or a year. And after that time period, we're going to evaluate if we want to stay together or not. So they only go into relationship for a specific contracted time period. And afterwards, they reevaluate and decide. So a lot of couples say, you know, we've been done, okay, we're moving on. Other couples have been together for 15, 20 years. But every single year, they go and reevaluate their relationship and decide if they can continue. So I kind of find that really refreshing because they stay fresh, and that's one way of doing it. It isn't, it isn't specifically polyamorous, but it's a way of looking at that, that nothing is contractual. And I think it's similar to poly in the sense that, that by looking at it as here and now and loving in the moment, I think that you get an opportunity to stay alive and fresh, and Domino does it in a particular way. Right. Explain things a little bit for you. Is that kind of how you're doing your relationships right now? Kind of each one being mm-hmm. its own thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I try to develop relationships based on uh, what's possible, and I am actually kind of slow to take on new lovers because. Um, I like to have the quality leader. So you win. I think in general that's just a way of life just to take it on like on a day by day basis and not look at it like as like, okay, this is my partner. I think it's a monogamy would, would fall short for me. It's like, okay, you're married and now you don't like like it was great I just have a side segue here because there's this really great um comedian. And I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Paula Poundstone, who was talking about how, you know, she's been dieting for years to get a husband, and then uh, and then she gets the husband, and she says, I've been dieting for all these years, and I've been, you know, starving myself and depriving myself. Now that I'm married, I'm going to eat, and I'm going to get fat, <laughs> and I'm going to do whatever I want. And I, I have to say that I, I guess, I would never want to be in a relationship where I've just, like, decided to hang up, hang up my hat and say, okay, I arrived at the finish line, and there's nothing more I need to do. Now I can get, you know, sit on a couch and, and all that. So, so I think that that's a reference point for how to stay alive with it and not let it become stale. And I think that happens a lot of monogamy with that. You put it, you hang the hat uh-huh. up and it's done. <laughs> right, right. Good. Well, thank you for that. And you, so you said that you're with um, with a sweetie on your Carmel trip. Is that somebody who mm-hmm. would you consider a primary, or um, are you dating several people? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we're exploring what, what things are. It's hard to say at this moment what things are going to be, but uh, at the moment, having good time, and uh, we'll see. <laughs> Jury, we don't know yet what it will look like. So, got it. Yeah. Well, that's honest. 
Okay. Um, another question I have for you is um, I've noticed that you usually stay friends with the men you've dated. How do you manage to keep your heart open to them after the relationship ends or transitions? Oh, that's a that is a really good question. Um, I just imagine the fact that if I ever loved somebody, continue to love them. Did that you're not in sync with them. I grew up with a very small family. Way they they left me, and so basically, I always I always value the relationship, and so therefore I don't I don't want to toss it aside just because we didn't make it as partners at a certain point. So I guess I do the work that. To make it to make it work as a friend, and it takes some work sometimes it takes sometimes it takes even a year or two before we've recalibrated who we are to one another, but because i love I love them once, I don't see why I have to stop caring after we've broken off a romantic relationship mhm but it's been it's been hard for you for um to make that transition with people sometimes. Sometimes it is hard. Stay, I mean, it's, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, and sometimes people fade away. You know, we we have, may have a, a strong relationship for a while, and then and then it fades away. So what but, do you do uh, when? This is a common question that polyamorous people get about jealousy. But what do you do when you see someone you love? developing a new love in their life and they're very excited about this new person, um, whether they stay with mm. you or not, how do you manage that feeling of watching your partner with a new love? Um, well, sometimes I don't mind it and it's fine. And if I do mind it or I'm feeling like sensitized and like sensitive or emotional, I I take myself away from, I don't want to have to watch it maybe necessarily, if I don't want to watch it, I go take care of myself, I go get a, go take a long nice bath, I don't you know, I'm not, I'm not always in the situation where I have to watch the scenario or I have to see it and if I'm feeling like I don't feel triggered by it, then I can watch it and can be present I could be right next door and if I don't I go do something that nurtures me until such a time mm-hmm. that I do feel comfortable. It kind of depends. Well, that's you know. excellent. Yeah, that's very healthy. I think sometimes sometimes people make their relationships their everything, and they forget that there's other things that they can do to take care of themselves. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not always friends. an easy thing. Yeah, yeah. I might. I think my friends sometimes I process the, uh, a very important relationship over a long period of time, and I I know that some friends are like, ah, oh, bored of this one already. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's other ways of taking care of yourself, you know. There's a lot of ways of 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 making sure that um, 
you are well cared for and that's that is actually the bigger skill mm-hmm. is exactly how how to navigate what you what do you need to to care for yourself to feel steady to feel nurtured to feel solid in your skin even when things get challenging because even if you haven't broken up with someone there could be some challenges that really rock your world and how and how do i navigate that you know cuz you know, poly can be very, very challenging, and it can be very rewarding, but it also can be very mm-hmm. challenging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we sometimes call it polyagony, right? <laughs> I think I find that term. Well, at least did you? Or at least I, I maybe I did. I called it polyagony years ago, but, <laughs> but maybe someone else came up with it too. Yeah, at the same time. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio with your host, Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach, sumatisparks.com. And I'm spe- we are speaking with Rebecca Holtzman, who I call the globetrotting polyamorous artist. <laughs> you like that moniker I've given you, huh? Yes, but I think I'm going to get it on a, I'm going to get a business card that says that. Um, So you mentioned that you live on an urban farm in Oakland. Maybe you can. I'm very curious about that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, it's a it's wonderful. I love it. Um, I've always been a fan of living in community um, for many years. I mean, I haven't always, but it is my preferred mode of living. And I think that it's it's maybe not polyamorous specifically. Although perhaps one day I live in a polyamorous household, which take it to a whole nother level but this is I mean in terms of like being part of a household that is in relationship to one another and there are such households but my household mm-hmm. is um, is not like that we have a farm mm-hmm. my housemates who own the house have a beautiful farm it's a, about a little less than half an acre and we have oats and we have chickens and we have vegetables and fruit trees and it's it's a Right. I don't benefit as much as they do because I don't contribute that much to the farm. But it is a wonderful thing to have in an urban area. They're connected to the earth. Goats, they, goats in Oakland? We have goats. We have wow. goats. We have two goats. And we have 12 Amazing. chickens. Wow. It's quite something. You'll need to stop by someday. And um, we have a hot tub, but it's broken at the moment. So one day it will get fixed. <laughs> I'm sure it will get fixed one day. Um, so you'll have to come and hang out and meet the, meet the animals, and and uh, it's it's a wonderful. I love it. It's great. Um, and while we're not in a poly family, we are are all poly, at least in our in our lives or in our minds or in our hearts, and so therefore we can really understand one another. Mhm. So great. Well, thank you for that. Yeah. So, Rebecca, what advice would you give to someone who's just starting to be poly? Mm. Well, I think that's one thing that one has to do is to really look at oneself. Uh, I mean, are you doing it for yourself? Are you doing it because you've met somebody who is poly and you're going to see if you can get yourself to get in alignment with their way of being? So you have to kind of look at it squarely in the eye and say, what am I doing this for? Is this my truth? 
or am I doing this for someone else because and you could both answers are valid, you know, it depends on how you want to do it. If you if you're so smitten with someone and you're like, I'm gonna try it your way even though I'm not quite sure about it, then then that's one way to go. But I think that most importantly you have to really look at it and say, Am I am I ready for this? You know, um because it is bumpy. It's hard, you know. Like, it breaks a lot of molds. It's a whole different way of looking at things. And I would say that if you really, if someone really is interested in it, then they go, you know, I'm really curious about it. I've never been satisfied with just one lover or one partner. Then they're a good candidate for it. And then they should go read something like The Ethical Sluts, which is a really good book. I'm trying to remember. I don't know that it's Dossie Easton, but uh, she also has good books if that's not the author. Yeah. But the she, book yeah, that I would recommend is Dossie Easton. Right. Yeah, she's so the co-author of that book, yeah. Yeah, so The Ethical Slut is a good primer. And it kind of, and then there's all the, there's another book out these days that's also well-written called More Than One. And that's another option. You, you know, you could sit down and read a couple of books and it could start the wheels turning to how you might be able to navigate this. You know, it's important to understand that it might not look like anything else you've ever done. And it might be challenging. And to just really kind of look at it. And as I said, read a couple of books, talk to some people, and examine inside your your own your own heart what do you what is it you want to do is it is it really what you want i mean it's not as i said for it's not for everybody but for the it works it can be a really a lot of fun so mm-hmm. that's i think my advice is to talk to some poly people read a couple of books on it and do some introspection and decide if if you're ready for this, this is what you want. Yeah, I think it is good to not reinvent the wheel because people have been doing this for decades now. There are excellent books about it. I agree that More Than One is a great book. Um, It's kind of a textbook. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree agree with you there. So I'm going to ask you what you think are a couple of the biggest challenges around polyamory, and then I'm going to follow that up with the question of what's the most Hmm. fun about being a single poly woman. So let's start with the challenges. What are one or two big challenges of being polyamorous or being in an open relationship? Um, Well, I mean, I guess jealousy does kick sometimes, you know, because you, I find that like, um, and like you described, if, if you see your lover off, yeah, having a fabulous date with somebody else. Ow, that's not me. Ouch. Um, I want to be that person. You know, why is it me? I mean, those things come in, and it's not easy. It just isn't easy. I mean, I, I think that that's a definite challenge. You can talk about it. It can try to, you know, work through it with conversation, you know, good meditation, things like that. Um I was just going to interrupt right here and just say when that issue comes up, it gives us an opportunity to really look at our value as separate from how our partner validates us, right? 
That's a really good point. Yeah. It's definitely an opportunity to go, you know, to not crumble into I'm not valuable because I am not with my partner right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's an opportunity. I think that it gives us a lot of opportunity to establish our own value independent of a partner. And it's really empowering once you take it on. I mean, it, it can be. And I have to admit, sometimes I'm not, I'm not always in that powerful place. But if I do take it on, there's a lot of value in establishing your own value outside of the affirmation that your partner can give you. Right. Uh, that's maybe true for because, both poly and monogamous people. So. Well, yeah, because when we know our true value and know who we really are, then we can give love from a place of wholeness and not neediness because nobody wants a needy partner. <laughs> it's so much it's better when not we can attractive, come... I know. <laughs> when, when each person can come from a place of wholeness and wanting to give love rather than just trying to get validation from someone else, then the relationship is so much more fun. Exactly. Uh, I, kudos. That's precisely, that's great. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's a, it's so really funny. The, there's actually the, making me think of. Go ahead. I was going to say, there's one thing that I do want to reference that was really funny. Many years ago, there was a broadcast with Holly Hunter and Albert Brooks and William Hurt. And there's this friendship between William, I mean, Albert Brooks and, and Holly Hunter. And he's on the phone with her and he says, Wouldn't it be great? If needy were turn on, <laughs> spoken in true Albert Brooks way, you know, wouldn't it be great if needy were turn on? I mean, that would just turn everything upside down. Totally different ball game, you know. And it was great because he, you know, he has it nailed on the head. Wouldn't it be great? And so, you know, it's That's good. Great. It's a good one. Okay, yeah. and so aside, so what's the, what's the second thing? Can you think of something else um, that's challenging about being non-monogamous besides oh. the jealousy piece? Well, sometimes logistics are challenging, like like scheduling. Like if you're if your lover has several lovers, or if you have several lovers, you have to can make time for each other. So sometimes that can be challenging. Um, with navigating it and you know I think you you make it work I've definitely seen it work with many other people who do find sometimes the scheduling challenging and I've found it with myself as well but um, I have a lot of freedom now in my schedule so I'm a little bit I'm a little bit of an anomaly but a lot of people have a have a hard time say juggling everything and that that could be a little tricky yeah and especially if there's a primary partnership and they're both dating outside the relationship, you know, there might be a night where one person has a date and the other person's sweeties aren't available that night and they just get to sit at home and read a book. <laughs> right, yeah, like, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I think it's helpful if if you did have a primary partnership and both people, like, it would be called date night, you know, like they, they'd, like, and, but the truth is that maybe, maybe, they wouldn't be able to 
navigate that. Like somebody has to go to the movies by themselves or read a book. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and that could be challenging because they're like, you know, oh, my sweetie's out with this other lover and now I'm home by myself and poor me. But that is one of the challenges. But a lot of people work it out and make it happen. And they come to terms with it eventually that it's not always going to sync up elegantly like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And it gives us another opportunity to find within ourselves what, this is what I teach, is what is your passion? Um, maybe that could be a wonderful thing where you don't have any dates tonight, so I get to do my music or I get to do my writing or I get to go rock climbing or whatever your passion is. Um, we should have an excitement when there's free time because we get to pursue that. Yeah, I mean, you I, you know, there's, there's a million things one can do with one's time. And I don't think there's actually, you know, I think if someone's actually bored, it's because they, because of some other reason, not because They're they not trying hard enough. really, yeah. really have nothing to do. <laughs> They're not trying hard right. enough. They're really bored. <laughs> right. Okay, well, thank you for that. So, So now let's go on to what would you say are the most fun things about being a single poly woman? Well, I'd have to reference one of my earlier comments, which is that I do love kissing, and I like kissing a lot of people. So being able to kiss a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do practice oral hygiene, so that's very good. Um, mm-hmm. So being able to kiss a lot of people is just a way of really af- being affectionate with people. Like it gives me this opportunity mm-hmm to just be really loving on people. Um, mm-hmm. And there's lots of opportunities. Like if I see various people that I have like a sweet connection with, I can, I can actually express that, you know, just just in a general sort of way. And uh, it's interesting because I've realized, you know, no one person can really be everything to you. And, you know, each person, each man or each woman has a particular gift or many gifts that the other persons don't. And so you get an opportunity to to have a lot more uh, exciting experiences or, or loving experiences because each person brings something else to the table. And if I was just with one person, I would be accepting that that, that would be it. And either I was really, really lucky and I found someone who who was so perfect that filled almost every need I had that I really wouldn't need anybody else. But over time I realized that that's very rare. It doesn't usually happen that way. It usually happens that you meet someone and it's like mostly okay, mostly good. And you have, here is an opportunity where you get to have like, well, I have a partner who's really great and most, and like, all his needs, but not every single one of them. And I have the permission and the green light to go ahead and find other things that, with other people that are that are um, fulfilling that that I wouldn't find with that particular person. Like, for instance, um, if my partner doesn't like going to the movies, and I found a friend who loved to go to the movies, then I would be able to go to the movies with my friend. Because my because my regular partner doesn't like to go to movies, I would lose out on that thing I love, and that's just an example. Mm-hmm. I'm just picking an example mm-hmm. out of a hat, but 
it's an mm-hmm. opportunity that, you know, like I have, I have people in my life that I love traveling with and then other people who don't get out. And so we have a different kind of relationship because, you know, it's a different, they have different things going on in their life. So it's a variety. When, when it's an opportunity were, to have that. Right. And when you were in primary partnerships, did you find that having other lovers um, kind of brought juice back to your primary? Hmm. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, I'm trying to think the different ones I've had. They've they've come, live on the gamut in terms of, um, they look like, like it depended like if I was in a primary that I was really with that person like 80-90% of the time I didn't have other lovers that I saw necessarily a lot but occasionally and that was a treat and that was an that was a fun like a little like a, an ice cream sundae you know and and <laughs> that was definitely that would add a little juice back into the primary relationship and um, it would validate, it would also be validating on some level as well. You know, like, it It was good in some, it was definitely good. Um, yeah, I definitely liked it. I'm not in a, I'm not in a primary partnership right now, so that's why I have to rewind my mental tape and find reference points from the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. Well, we're getting close to end, um, and I want to give you some time to talk about how people might be able to get in touch with you in the future and talk a little bit about what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have used Rebecca's graphic design services uh, a number of times in the past, and most recently she designed some artwork for me for an adult party I produced. Um, and it was just beautiful. It far exceeded my expectations uh, really everybody in the community thought it was just fabulous. So you have quite a talent for working with people who are, um, you know, doing alternative sexual types of parties or I'll let you talk about it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Okay. Um, I've been a graphic designer for over 30 years and in the last 15 years, occasionally somebody would come to me from the, a poly community who wanted me to design either a logo for them or a brochure or a website and therefore I could I could really understand where they were coming from. And and like with anything in life, if you if you're working with somebody who understands your psyche, who understands what your point of view is, it's so much more easy to get your message across because from the get go, get each other. And that's a big selling point. Like if if we if you and I can get each other and we understand each other from the from the get go, we're able to produce uh on target graphics or a logo or brand mark or any number of things that market your whatever it is you have to do. I've designed a number of logos for friends who are uh coaches in the poly world, um I said sometimes parties, uh other things that have to do with uh, social, also coordinate part. Um, like I'm a tour director as well. That's a side 
but in general we've been able to uh, coordinate events that target this audience and also create, you know, graphics and marketing materials for that as well. So it really boils down to if I understand you and we are we are in alignment on this on this very important piece, then we'll probably work together really well and we'll be able to come up with something really great because we understand each other. Cool. That's about it. And how, how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more about that? Sure. Well, you can try to uh, try me at my email, which is webholtzman at mac.com. Please use the subject line, like Seeking Graphic Design Services, so I don't think you're junk mail. And again, that's R-E-B-H-O-L-T-Z-M-A-N at mac.com. Or you could go to spotlightdesignworks.com. However, I don't have on that website uh, polygraphic material. It's more of a mainstream general website. But you could get a sense of some of the designs I've done in the past and see if that's a style that would work for you as well. Great. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for being on the show. It was really interesting learning about your escapades and your lifestyle. Uh, really appreciate talking to another mature single poly woman. Yay, yay us. <laughs> and um, I, I hope that you're able to make all your dreams come true. And, and thanks again for your time today, Rebecca. Thank you. It was wonderful. It was so much fun talking with you. I'm very grateful for this uh, time, and uh, have a great night. Take care. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.